Welcome, friends, Romans, countrymen, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined uh, on this uh, most hallowed of days, uh, the day <laughs> that we think, um, you know, we're, we're finally optimistic about both a football and basketball season. Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? At two, David. Oh, my God. So you've come over to this side now. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so I hear excitement in your voice for a season. Well, I went through – so, like, I, I've just got to distance myself from thinking about the logic of the decision and then just, you know, go whole hog into – I do want to watch some football and basketball, so this is great. Okay. And honestly, you talked about it in our pre-meeting. Yesterday I was thinking about it all in terms of football, and I'm like, you know, I, I won't say unenthused about watching, like, UCLA football, but, you know, it's a different thing. But UCLA basketball? Hell yeah, yeah, baby. Sign me up. No, screw the coronavirus. I want to watch a full <laughs> basketball season. Give me that on time, on schedule. We're golden. And for all of you, seriously, I mean, let's just, if this actually happens like we think we're going to happen. Okay, so we missed, we missed, basically, you missed September. And, you know, some, but. Have dude, September's been good under Chip Kelly? <laughs> that's a good, that's a good point. We are going to get an intense two and a half to three months where football and basketball seasons, well, we get an overlap usually of about a month, right? We're going to yeah. have two and a half to three months of overlap here. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be intense. Um, I'm going to buckle gonna, up kiddos. This is going to be big. Uh, buckle up Dave Woods and Tracy Pearson, because this is going to be a very, <laughs> very hard couple of months. Of We do have some relief though, because interviews I think will be done on zoom. So we won't have to be sitting out there, you know, on Spalding Field, just being singed while we wait for, you know. But we've got to do the tough backup kicker the, to come over. We have to do the really hard, laborious work of sitting at our computers writing things, though. That's true. That's that's very true. And that's, you know, it's that's. I don't think anyone understands how tough that work is. Like, you know, uh, lumberjacks, like fishermen like it pales those all pale in comparison to sitting at a computer and writing for you know a couple of hours oh yeah when you drive by like a field and people out there like picking vegetables you say god i mean if only those people knew how bad my job was exactly right? that's exactly what i'm saying here and i'm glad <laughs> you're picking it up um yeah so yeah. i think everyone i mean really out there you should understand just the trial and tribulations that we'll be going through but we do it for you the people yeah. um We've so given, we've I, I think we're both kind of excited now. Uh, I mean, I am excited. No matter what you say about UCLA football, whether, you know, a big percentage of the fans are kind of pessimistic and down. It's still, I mean, I learned this one thing. I've, I've watched NBA basketball. I've watched Major League Baseball. I've watched, I've watched a lot of soccer. I've watched... Uh, I've watched uh, football. I watched uh, college football. I watched NFL. I can take it or leave it. I really want to watch just UCLA play. And even if the football team, you know, isn't good and it's frustrating, they still look really good in those uniforms. That's true. Yeah. Um, that was that, that's not like my driving consideration, but I, I like it. I think yeah. it works. Um, yeah. I think um, being able to watch even other teams that I actually care about, like other Pac-12 teams, will be very fun true. And that is that is peripheral, but also of interest compared to everything else that I have no interest in. Well, okay. not not, but very. Let's back up for for the for the for the bros out there who have not been paying attention to anything. The reason we suddenly sound so optimistic about it is because of a couple of developments, which I'll run through right now. First, as was speculated for a few days leading up to the announcement, the Big Ten uh, announced yesterday that they are restarting their season towards the end of October. Um, they have now completely backed off what they did a month ago, which was saying they were going to postpone until next year uh, due to a lot of public pressure, some developments in testing, um, some developments in their understanding of the myocarditis. Um, and so they are all ahead go for a restart to the season. Now, the Pac-12, um, independently, had already developed its own testing regimen that was getting everyone a little bit more optimistic about the chances of a season. But with the Big Ten news coming out, that put a lot of sudden public pressure on 
California Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, Oregon Governor Kate Brown, uh, to uh, describe what issues they were still having to prevent uh, return to play for the schools in their locations. And Newsom essentially came out and said, well, there's nothing about our regulations that's preventing them from returning to play, which is obvious BS, but... It's very very lawyerly. But it also was a signal, a signal that they were very much willing to work with and uh, prevent and and remove impediments that are currently in place, which would prevent return to play. Because all the impediments go, or should I just uh, keep all my questions for later? Keep all your questions for just one more second. Okay. Okay. Sorry. 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 Because the impediments were not technically about play. The impediments were all about how you would prepare, uh, limiting group work for all of these practices and meetings and all that kind of stuff. So, but by signaling that they're not, you know, giving that very loyally, well, we're not preventing return to play. Uh, he's signaling instead that, okay, we'll, we'll make it work for you guys. And then, uh, according to, I think John Wilner, uh, reported last night that Martin Jarmond and Mike Bone from USC reached out to LA County officials, uh, last night, um, to start to work on a plan for everyone getting back to work in a full go kind of capacity for the start of the season. So that's kind of a rundown of why everything is suddenly looking extremely optimistic for a uh, season restart uh, towards the end of October, maybe early November. Wow. That was, that's, that's a podcast right there. That was excellent. Um, maybe I think maybe, and maybe because I'm West coast biased myself, giving maybe a little bit too much credit to the big 10, maybe there was some pressure, but the big 10, the, the Pac-12 was was considering all this. They knew. I mean, come on. They knew the Big Ten was going that way anyway. But the Pac-12 was a little uh, the game changer in all of this. Really, that gives ever whether it's legit or whether it gives everyone cover is the daily COVID nineteen testing. That's what everyone can get some cover under. Pac-12, uh, what said they had established. Uh, uh, an agreement with uh, Quidel, I think is how you say it, company, yeah. to have them start shipping by September. The Big Ten said, they even admitted, uh, we're trying, we're, we're going to go to a, uh, <laughs> we're going to go to a season that starts, you know, October 17th, or whenever it said, and we're still trying to find a, a daily testing kind of test kit like the Pac-12 has. I mean, I, I just uh, everyone. Whenever I hear this couch right now, when I turn on any news, it's it's well, the Pac-12 is is now feeling pressure because of the Big Ten and it's following the Big Ten. Um, I'm calling a little bit of BS. I kind of I kind of like the process the Pac-12 went through. I think it, yeah, I think yeah. the Pac-12 has handled this the best of uh, basically any conference because they've been the most consistent throughout the process. And it wasn't like this was a thing that was probably going to be happening in some capacity before January, thanks to the testing push they'd, they'd done. The only thing that I think that happened as a ramification of the Big Ten was the pressure that it immediately put on the California and Oregon state governments to respond because they probably got immediately a lot of questions about this. And they responded with statements that essentially were I think more than the Pac-12 maybe could have hoped for. Um, well, the other the other element here too, the card the Pac-12 was going to play, and they've been I know this, and I've been writing this and reporting this. They've been preparing to play this card was, you know, the Rams and the Chargers, and uh, are in L.A. County, and the 49ers are in uh, Santa Clara County, right? Yeah. The same county as Stanford, UCLA, and USC, same counties. They got an exemption from local COVID-19 restrictions because of the daily testing regimen. Pac-12 recognized that early on and said, okay, we know what the key is here, right? That was also behind this, that even though it signaled like what you said and that, you know, the governors were saying, oh, well, that the, the Big Ten put pressure on the it was also the Pac-12 knew where they were going to go, from what I've heard, because they had that daily test in the pipeline. They were going to play that card. Hey, why can you, 
why can you give an exemption to professional teams and not to us if we if it's all contingent on a daily test? The what I've been hearing while I wrote that article at the beginning of the week was that the big hurdle was going to be the presidents and chancellors and the universities agreeing to all this because they're they're kind of conceding that football players are special. They are not conventional undergrads. They are they are being treated in a different way. Um, while all the other most of the undergrads in the Pac-12 are not allowed on campus, they're not allowed to participate in university-run activities. Football players are so. That I was told that was a big hurdle. So all within, and I think, bro, I think I'm still the only one who who is addressed that really and actually said that I've heard the presidents and chancellors have agree and have agreed to it in kind. So in one day we saw the governors, we saw state, we pretty much saw local, and we saw the presidents all all cave in. Yeah. And I think I keep bringing it up without that, without the Pac-12 aligned with that daily test, it never would have happened. They would not have been able to pull off that Big Ten BS where we're starting our season. Oh, and by the way, we're looking around for a daily test. So there you go. Be proud of your Pac. Be proud. Proud of your Pac-12. There, yeah, I, I I think that's I mean I think that's the measured takeaway from it, which is that they've made I think the most rational and prudent decisions throughout, and now they are I think the most measured in their return. Um, they didn't botch really any of the communication about it. They've been more or less in lockstep the entire time. Um, you know, just from like a PR standpoint, I think they've they've managed this extremely well, um, and I think. There's going to and this is something that I think could be a major win for the Pac-12 is thanks to their caution and thanks to what they're doing with setting up, um, you know, the testing regimens at all these different schools. If they can throw this thing off without a hitch, if they can start a season and not have anybody have to postpone a game because they are testing them every day um, or testing them very frequently, but certainly before they um, get on the field, uh Every other league is probably going to have to postpone games. I mean, the leagues that are playing right now, I think each of them have had to postpone games already now. Um, if they're nine, able to, nine games were postponed. So yeah, far, if, before last weekend, exactly. And if the Pac-12 is able to play its full slate, whatever that ends up being, if it's you know eight games or, or whatever, if they're able to play their full slate and every but every team is able to play their full eight games, then the Pac-12 comes out of this year looking the best like by far of any league because they were able to fit it all in as scheduled and safely. And very simply, when you're detached from a lot of the details and, and let's say in a year from now, or when you're recruiting, the, the, the narrative is the SEC, the AC, they all jumped in without the proper testing. Do you know how many players tested positive while they were trying to attempt a season and how many games are canceled? We waited because we care about your welfare. We waited until we got a daily test and we had, you know, whatever number, one or two tests. We waited until the precedent that was set by the NFL. We, we respect your health. I, I, I think years or however long from now, you might look back and think the Pac-12 kind of kind of nailed, nailed this. Yeah, I think that's right. So that's kind of the reason we're, we're – um pretty excited about football and then the other piece of news and we'll talk in depth about all this stuff but the other piece of news was yesterday uh kind of another thing that came out uh was the ncaa announcing their restart for basketball is going to be november 25th um with six weeks of practice leading up to that starting on october 14th um and the same things that are going to potentially allow football to get started are going to allow basketball to get started uh at ucla so that's all just it was just a day full of good news for the return to sports uh in in pac-12 land it it really was um we'll get to basketball let's talk now a little bit about how we see potentially the football season so uh as as i've been reporting on bro for a while and it didn't seem to get into a little bit of the yeah mindset of a lot of other reporters i gotta say um who were saying oh they'll start practice and then they'll start a game like three and a half weeks later now it's starting to come out that 
there is some resistance from some coaching staffs in the Pac-12 that they need longer than 29 days to prepare a team. There are some, there are some teams in the Pac-12 who have not been working out. They haven't been working out. They're not on. They're not on campus. There's varying degrees, and like I wrote, y'all should be kind of proud of UCLA. They've been doing it really in a measured way, but they have the majority of their team is working out right now within the limitations, within all of the restrictions. Uh, from what I've heard, UCLA is feeling pretty good about being ready to start a fall-like camp, but there are a lot of coaches specifically uh strength and conditioning coaches that are balking at it because this is their this is their job to prepare these kids physically to be ready to play a football season if they're not prepared it makes them prone to injury and they will they i mean how many times have we seen it on bro where fans judge a strength and conditioning staff by how many injuries (laughs) that team has that year so they're balking a little. So we were first talking about an, you know, went out there among a bunch of media. Halloween could be. I mean, we've seen a lot of others. Like I said, we've seen a lot of element, other elements here just kind of cave in. I they could cave for this too. Maybe more realistically, right now would be November seventh or November fourteenth, uh, just to give them not only more time to prepare from a conditioning standpoint, but build in maybe a little bit of cushion because of COVID-9, you know, potential complications. Um, So there's that. But if you're figuring a season, let's just say, you know, it starts on Halloween, right? So that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. To get to the 19th, that would be eight weeks. And the 19th would probably be the Pac-12 championship game. So that would mean seven conference games. Um, so that's probably the most games the Pac-12 would play. If you're talking seven conference games, that would be the five within your division and then two from your, what do you call that, cross division? What do we call that? Cross division, yeah, sure. Cross division. So if we're talking that many, UCLA, the Pac-12 actually kicks off on the 31st. That would be USC, ASU, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, and you'd have to think the traditional in-state rivalries is Stanford and Cal because those are already on the schedule anyway. They probably throw out Oregon State and Washington State. But if they start later, I, this is all speculation, you'd have to think they still retain the divisional games and maybe they get rid of one or of Stanford and Cal. Um and then you also think that if there is a championship game on the 19th, uh, I saw it mentioned that the Big Ten would have a championship game, but then they would still have all the rest of their members play each other on that just to get another game in. I could, I could see the Pac-12 also doing that. So maybe that would be the seventh, the seventh game. But we start later, there are less. Two weeks later, two weeks less, and maybe they're just playing – Maybe they're just playing their division, and that is all without a buy built in. So um, I think a lot of this, as I wrote, is going to be contingent uh, on what the Pac-12, what information it gets back from uh, the college football playoffs. That, that committee, I think, is comprised of a lot of, of Power Five people uh, that that govern the college football playoffs and they're going to ask them what what would make us be able to qualify for a college football playoff. If the Pac-12 has no chance, like with a no, November 7th start, heck, let's keep playing. You know, play, play eight, nine games. Who knows? Um, so that will kind of determine. Uh, I think even though you and I can say the Pac-12 probably is an unlikely – has probably unlikely it gets a team that would qualify for the college football playoffs. It still wants to look like it's part of it, at least. Um, and, I, and I think for the college football playoffs purposes, they're going to want the Pac-12 to be a part of it if they can, because yes. they want the they want the West Coast eyeballs when they have their stupid show. Like, yeah. they want to have 
they want to have the Pac-12 involved. It's better for everyone if there is, and it's just, I mean, it's TV stuff. Like, it's better and, if you get the west half of the country involved. And, and I mean, it would be pretty hypocritical if they say, you know what, you guys are only playing, you're only playing six, seven games. That's not going to be enough. Then it comes around to Ohio State, which is going to play nine games, and two, are, and they have to cancel two or three of them. And they get into college football. I, I well, that's the thing it, is they're going to have to set. What they should probably do is like set now a minimum. Like you need to ha- have a minimum of six or seven games to qualify, because the thing is, even the SEC, there's going to be canceled like, games. Yeah. Don't you think that's kind of dangerous though? Because some programs could say, "Wow, we just had fifty guys test positive in other conferences, but we need this one. We need this game if we're going to qualify for college football playoff." And they go out and play them. I mean that is a that's a risk you take, but I think I mean the NCAA did the same thing with the season they're announcing. You have to play I forget what it was, but a certain number of games to qualify for the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah. So Oops. I I think the the college football playoff committee can make that determination without you can't cover all ramifications. There are going to be teams that throw guys with COVID out there just because they want to win a game. Um, okay, let's go by that. That's a good measuring stick. So for basketball. The NCAA proposed uh, a 24, 25, or 26, maybe it was just 25 or 26 regular season yeah. uh, that all teams could play. The minimum to qualify for the NCAA tournament was 13 games. So half. Yeah. So six. It should be six. So six okay. football games. You play six football six. games. But the thing is, I think also they're going to want the Pac-12 to schedule more. But I think my guess would be they're going to be willing to work with them. Um, and mo- if they just move all their stuff back a week, that's not going to be that big of a deal. Um, yeah. And so I think they're going to want the Pac-12 to schedule eight games. Um, you know, kind of the same way everyone else is scheduling at least eight games. Um, and if you don't play the full eight, like, you know, set a minimum. But I think they're going to want the Pac-12 to do that. And I think the Pac-12 would be... Uh, it would behoove them to do it, um, even if you don't think, because Oregon pretty much had its upside completely taken away by so many departures to the NFL draft. And who knows, maybe those guys could revisit their decisions now that it looks more likely a season will be played, but they probably won't. Um, and that makes it less likely there would be a playoff team, but it's going to be such a weird year, and it's a smaller sample size than it has been in the past. So there is a chance, like there's a chance that like Washington is just suddenly good again, or USC in, you know, eight games is able to put it together and actually, you know, go seven and one or eight. No, um, like that, that stuff would could mean, happen. That would mean a uh, Halloween start. So right. they would have to lean on all those strength and conditioning coaches who are balking. And ultimately they're not going to have the final say so. I mean, it's going to be. Uh, presidents and financial decision makers who are going to probably ultimately make the call with obviously input from strength and conditioning and the football staffs themselves. Um, but I also, I, I imagine they have concerns for sure, but I don't know that they're going to feel comfortable being the final stick in the mud uh, to prevent a season from going off that could actually get them qualified for the playoff. But I think you make sense in that you, you, you anticipate the college football playoffs wants the Pac-12 to look like they're attempting to play eight games. Yeah, and then and then actually maybe whoever comes close to maybe it's Oregon somehow only played six. I would still bet that they'd be part of that equation. Yeah, and that it's going to be a, not, yeah. yeah, and it's going to be a weird year. It's just no matter what, it's going to be a weird year. But um, I think that that'll. I think the college football playoff will work with them, and I think the Pac-12 will ultimately schedule a season that's you know long enough. You touched on something else too. Um, all of the players at the programs, the Pac-12 programs, have already lost. Oregon has how many? Uh, they've lost. They opted out. They, I mean, the ones I'm thinking of off the top of my head are two starting cornerbacks, uh, Diamondor Lenore and Thomas Graham, and the best offensive lineman in the country in Penny Sewell. Right. Uh, obviously UCLA lost its right tackle to Baylor and he's not coming back. He's playing this weekend. Uh, Arizona lost Colin Schooler, their best defensive player. Stanford has lost its starting left tackle and probably future NFL player. Um, of course, some of these guys could come back as you said, but some of them from what I've heard 
are not in school. <laughs> yeah. They're they're elsewhere training for the NFL combine NFL draft. So I don't think they come back. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting because what was happening is guys who were otherwise I thought fringe prospects, especially Thomas Graham and Diamador Lenore. I mean, we watched them in high school. They were nice players, but star NFL cornerbacks? No not under any circumstances. Um, and I can't imagine they're going to be super high draft picks. They left because they didn't think there was going to be a season and they wanted to get ready for this, but they didn't. I, I have to imagine guys like that will at least revisit the possibility of trying to get back, um, either get back in school under some, you know, former facet or whatever. But, um, but Penny Sewell, he's Walker, not coming back. Walker little. They're not coming back. Not coming back. I, someone like Lenoir, I mean, and Graham, they need they need more tape. They've got they have to play the season, so it makes logical sense for them to come back, unless they just don't want to go to school. But it makes sense if if they have any consultants that are pseudo agents, they're saying you need to go play. <laughs> right. Um. So very interesting. Uh, a season, let's say, very uh, minimally, it's UCLA's schedule is the south which would be five and then cal stanford which would be seven and like you're saying they actually schedule eight i'd have to think it would be one among the two teams that were already on the schedule before from the north which would be oregon state washington state yeah Um, that's right yeah so what do you think about that schedule i mean we really haven't changed our opinion of how we think UCLA matches up against these teams, right? No. So what it would be, I think, is still probably a team that's, I mean, I, I, I'm going to have to look at it again because the rosters have changed and I'm sure there's guys who have departed who we didn't, who, who we're not thinking of right now. Yeah. But my, well, yeah, and USC, they lost Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, one of their best offensive linemen. All um, right. So... I, th- I still think they would be middle to bottom tier in the Pac-12 South. Um, I think you'd still probably have ASU and USC and, and probably Utah definitively ahead of them. Um, right. And then the question becomes, you know, whether they can eke out a few, whether it gets weird. And then Oregon State and Washington State, I think it's just kind of unknowns. I think Oregon State's a better coached team. Um Probably still less talent, though, and they're breaking in a new quarterback. What's that going to look like? Uh, Washington State, it's a whole new scheme. Um, and, yeah, it's somewhat similar to the Air Raid, but it is different, and it's going to be a new quarterback situation. Are Is is Nick Rolovich going to have the same plug-and-play capabilities that Mike Leach had with his quarterbacks? You know, you could just have some guy pull him off the street, stick him at quarterback, and he's going to throw for 4,000 yards. Um, is Rolovich going to have that? same kind of magic and if he doesn't Washington State might be pretty mediocre this year um, yeah yeah I think you have like you said you'd have to think underdog USC ASU and probably Utah uh, Arizona Arizona and Colorado uh, I mean Colorado at Colorado but you know that might be a split or you get both of those games maybe Stanford and Cal I, I don't think you sweep those those two that's a split Cal's going to be good at um, best, yeah. right? So I think we're you're still looking at like a five hundred, a five hundred season. You yeah, know, they're they're, they're going to have to go beyond our expectation to get over a five hundred season. But it is, I mean, it, it will be. You know, if they get the thing is, it's such a limited sample size that there have been six game stretches of Chip Kelly's time at UCLA already where it's looked pretty good um, in both seasons. Yeah. I mean, they didn't win all those games, but they, it looked fine. Well, if, that's the thing. That's the thing to think about was was the preseasons uh, preseasons were the uh, non-conference games. Were they? I mean, what was what was his sum record? One one in five. <laughs> uh, Wait, in, were non, they, in non-conference play, it's zero yes. and six. Oh, zero and six. Sorry, well, where did I come up with another win? Um, <laughs> was that just because they were non-conference games, and he thought of it more like it was a workshop? opportunity or, or is it that they just start the season slow they start the season slow every year um or he just doesn't like september and he thinks it's a bad month <laughs> i think it's either a or b rather yeah. than c um i i think you can make the valid case that it's it's they start slow 
I mean, they're going to start slow. And when you talk about this team, they have the last two years, they didn't have as many question marks. Uh, I mean, they had veteran linebackers. They had, uh, they had some talent in the secondary. They had guys on the defense. I mean, now they've got four new linebackers. Uh, I mean, there are legitimate questions and, you know, the, the personnel on offense still to me is not, it's not completely proven you and on the offensive line, which has been a question mark the last two years going into a season, going into this season, when they got the grad transfer, Paul Gratton from Villanova, you thought, okay, now, now this is looking like a real offensive line. How long, how long did we feel that for? Uh, about a, a month? Before. Month? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Maybe it just felt like a month to me because I was just hoping. Um, and then Jake Burton goes to Baylor. So now where are you? I mean, Paul Ratton, who, by the way, I just found out, breaking news here on the broadcast, um, he has been admitted to UCLA. I, I, he, To my knowledge, he's not enrolled yet. I think he's still going through like the COVID-19 testing to get – to get him untested. He's not working out yet, but he has been admitted. So that's, that's kind of huge news. Um, but you have him, you plug him into, into one of the guard spots. Then maybe you move Alec Anderson to right tackle. Since he's the only one who has any experience, he's played tackle to replace Burton. Then you need someone that you need the guard spot. That was weak. That Gratan was going to fill now is weak again. And, and I think a lot of it has to be Antonio Moffi stepping up. Um, but we'll, we'll get in the next four weeks, we'll get into a lot more details about depth and personnel, but more still question marks. So getting back to the original idea, will they start fast? I, it, it makes it, I'm very reminiscent of the last two seasons. I'm not, in fact, more question marks this year, I think. Agreed. Going I, into the season. Yeah, I, I, Here's the thing. Come on, everybody. There's going on, to be everybody. a season. Is it going to be a good one? No, no, it's not going to be a good season. No, no, but is it going to be? But will it be football? It will be. It will be UCLA football. You get to see those pretty uniforms Tracy was talking about, and yeah. you know they might win a couple, and that's going to be fine because, as of what four days ago, there wasn't going to be a season. Now there, yeah. now there will be, and. Was it ever going to be good? Like, were we sitting here in February thinking there was going to be a really good football season in 2020? No, come on. We weren't. But it's going to be a season. And, and, and here's the thing, That's too. something to be thankful for. Regardless what side of the fence you're on of Chip Kelly, if you are very supportive of Chip Kelly and you really desperately want him to win, or if you're on the other side of the fence where you'd like to see, and let's just be straight, there are, there are fans like this, who want to see Chip Kelly lose so he can be replaced quicker. This is all good news. Either he wins and group A feels good or he loses and group B feels good. So this is all upside for all UCLA fans. Ah, that's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. No, it's, it, we're, you're playing with house money now. Thanks. Uh, um, uh, basketball season. There's going to be a basketball season. What a thing to be excited about because UCLA is actually going to be good. Wow. Wow. Say that again, Dave. Say UCLA it. I want to close my eyes and just is actually going to be good. And good is like the low bar. They could when's, be great. When's the last time UCLA fans went into a football or basketball season feeling that their team could be a top 15 team in well, the country? The thing wow, is, the, I cannot I cannot. It's it the last time once. where you might have guessed it would be the Lonzo Ball year. But the thing is, even then, you didn't quite know. You didn't was know that definitively. Seven years ago, when was that? That was 2016. Oh my God! It seems so long ago. It does. Um, but like that was probably the last time where you could have said that definitively. And before that, shoot. I mean, the last time before that was probably, you know, that year after Kevin Love left, where we were all like, "Yeah, they should be really good again because they brought this great class in." And, and when's the last time? In, when's the last time in football going into a season? I mean, it must have been Jim Mora's fourth, second year. or third year. 
Yeah. No, the, I mean going in after the first three years. Oh yeah, yeah. Going into before. the fourth year, we thought they were going to be really good. So that was 2015. Yeah. Wow, guys, this is real. <laughs> You're not fantasizing. Pinch yourself. You're going into a football or basketball season with the prospect of a UCLA team being good. Yeah. And we're going to get... I forgot what that felt like. When, I, I got to tell you, Dave, in the 80s, not we every single season we thought this, football and basketball. Very rarely did you think, ah, I don't think they'll be very good this year. Every year you thought they would be competing for a, a conference championship. And I think we're I I, I mean wow. I, I don't want to I don't want to jinx it, but I think we're going to get back to that. Like I think it's going to be just good times here. I'm being an I, optimist, but I think I, it's going to be good times. You mean in basketball and and football? No. Yes, I think I think so in football. I think no matter what side of the fence you're on, I think I think UCLA. I'm just going to say it. UCLA football is not as far away from being a winning program as everyone thinks okay let's keep talking about basketball I, I, I'm, I'm upset that you derailed me from talking about basketball that's not a relevant <laughs> sport you just discussed uh, basketball for which I am uh, the world's biggest homer um, yeah. and have been for at least a year now um, yeah. so uh, they're they're going to be really good this year um, they get a full season of being really good because I mean whatever you think 25 games, regular season games, followed by, I mean, we'll see about a Pac-12 tournament, but I think they'll probably try to get one in. Uh, that's a that's a full season. It's almost 30 yeah, games. I mean, that's uh, they were they were going to 20. They were changing to 20 conference games this year anyway, and I mean that's 20 conference games that they might actually attempt to do that on the schedule, and then four or five non-conference games. You get to your 24 and 25. You probably play in the legacy, right? That's yeah. November twenty sixth. Yeah, you kick off with that. You, you, you kick I mean, off with you that. Tip off with that, and then you have a couple of local games. You know, play your UCSB or whatever or whoever's playing, and then you uh, and then you get into conference play. It'll be great, I mean, and we won't have it. the irrelevant games. We won't have so many tune ups against Pepperdine and Riverside. Dude, like, Wooden Legacy is going. to – Let's just say it happens. So November twenty sixth. We don't know who they're playing yet, but the other, all the other teams are Kansas, Virginia, and Georgetown. We're going to have this is fun. This is going to be fun. Yeah. It's not. It's not Houston Baptist. It's going. To, it's going to be a lot since last week. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. And assuming like the testing works and the whole thing, and they're able to keep them relatively, you know, safe and secure, it's going to be fun all year. You know. Do, do you remember in 1994? When UCLA played Kentucky in the, no. I, mean, I was, was I was, was nine years old. The wooden was it the wooden classic and J.R. Henderson made those free throws. You don't remember that at all. I was eight years old actually. Wow, I thought you'd know though. You have one of those brains. No, I don't. You have a Brandon Huffman brain. Uh, no, oh, no, no I, I do not. Since you've had kids, you've you've lost all your. Memory. I do not remember anything. Okay. I am. But a, very, I am tabula rasa. Okay, I want to say this too. I want to, and this is not, this is, this is not biased. I would take Nick Cronin over Billy Donovan. I absolutely would, and I'll tell you why later. No, I'll tell you now. Um, <laughs> I've always said the main traits that I want in a basketball coach is that he is driven to succeed at UCLA's level that he's got a chip on his shoulder to prove himself. Mick Cronin is a walking, I, I shouldn't, I, it sounds weird, but he's a walking chip on your shoulder. That guy, day and night, is going to do whatever he has to do to win. Now, let's say Mick Cronin goes on a 10-year tear where he goes Final Fours. Maybe in 10 years, Mick will be chilling in his Malibu house. But he's got a lot of chip that he's got a chip on his shoulder. I don't want to just say chip. That he's he's got to you know get over. Billy Donovan, while a good coach, is he really going to be driven? Is he really going to be driven to win at UCLA? Yeah, and I think more and more we've come to the conclusion that you really do need that drive. Number um, one thing and highest percentage of element that makes for a successful coach. I wonder. UCLA. I wonder if there's anything like about recent UCLA coaching history that's made us think that. Like in every coach, sports. every coach. 
every single coach, it was, it was the determining factor. I can, I can easily say, and we can go back. Lavin was not driven to win at this level. He, he truly wasn't. Bob Toledo, when he first got the job, he absolutely was. I know it for a fact. And then he got complacent, 100% complacent. Let's keep going. Uh, ben Howland, <laughs> Ben Howland's famous quote is that he would crawl from Pittsburgh. On broken glass. On broken glass. That guy was so driven at the beginning when he was at UCLA. Absolutely. Carl Durrell, I would, you know, amazingly enough, a young guy, but just didn't have, he just wasn't hungry. Not hungry. Rick Newhilo, the guy, while he was at UCLA, he golfed. He was driving. He was driving. 160 days a year. He was, he was driving. He was doing a lot um, of driving. Not driven. Whether he's a good enough coach, I, I think there's a good coach in Rick Neuheisel there. I really do. I just don't think he's driven. Uh, Jim Mora, whoa, absolutely driven the first three years. Then it all got away from him with personal problems. Another thing in his last three. Steve, uh, Steve Alford, that defined, that, this defines that coaching stint. Was he, was not, also, he, he also did a lot of driving, much like uh, Rick Neuheisel. Yes, yes, around a golf course. Around a golf course with a golf club that one might call a driver. Was not driven. And I can make, maybe it's premature, but from what I know, I would say that Chip Kelly isn't necessarily, you know, just blindly driven to win at this level. Um, one thing I will say in his... Nick Bonin in his... is. One thing I will say about Chip Kelly in his uh, favor, uh, I haven't heard about him golfing. He has not. I don't. I don't think he golfs. I don't Maybe. think he's a golfer, which is one of his best qualities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it every single coach it defines the coach, um, and I I don't think it's too hard to apply this to every coach that was a candidate for a job. And almost consistently say, use this as the as the criteria and say, would have been good, would not would have been bad. Good, bad, good, bad, by using this criteria. Yeah. Keep it in mind when if UCLA ever hypothetically goes looking for a new coach in either one of those two sports. Exactly. Um so yeah, I mean, come on, people, we're gonna get a basketball season that's gonna be really good, and we're gonna watch some football this year. And I don't want to talk too much about the basketball team right now because I, I, that's going to be one whole broadcast. Totally. A one entire broadcast. That's going to be um, one entire uh, uh, four-month period of broadcasts because I'm going to stop talking about football as soon as I possibly can when the season's over. But, man, I, I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't November be – that might be one of the best – months in in like Pac-12 history. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean it's going to be cuz especially if football is a real season, if it's not just a full scrimmage season because they're not going to qualify for the college football playoff. I think there needs to be some clarity there. But if if it feels like every game matters, if it feels like there's import to every game and then on top of that, you've got basketball ramping up um for a start of season at the end of November. Like think about that Thanksgiving week. That's going to yeah. be so much fun, like so much fun. And, you know, I was looking because fall is my favorite time of year for obvious my, reasons. I mean, I, I don't know why anyone wouldn't think fall was your favorite time. It's obvious, right? Uh, just from what's happening in the world, what's happening around you. And then and then the, the weather, it's the best weather ever. Uh, uh, I mean, especially and we're in Southern California. But if you're in the Midwest, fall is the best weather. And so, we were staring down – and my point is we were staring down the barrel of an extremely bleak fall. And it probably will be still bleak in some ways, and that's an unfortunate reality of what we're dealing with right now. But this is a true bright spot. Like this is something that you can look forward to and say, you know what? Thanksgiving might be weird this year. Maybe I can't have some of my family members over because of the pandemic. Maybe, you know, certain things. I can't travel or whatever. But you're going to be able to – at least engage in what has traditionally been a fun activity that week, which is watching some football, watching some college basketball with those opening season tournaments. Like all of that looks like it is now happening 
And it's not just general. You can watch the teams you're actually most interested in, UCLA basketball and UCLA football. That's great I, news. I'm getting chills. Because, because honestly, yeah, okay, every year football and basketball is overlapping in November. And <laughs> sometimes when UCLA actually used to play football in December, in December, right? Yeah. Um, but this is going to be special because I, I, we all took that for granted. Even though we all loved it, you know, it happens every year. You take it away, now you really appreciate it. To think that we're going to be able, like you said, Thanksgiving weekend they play in the legacy. That's the weekend they play in that legacy, and they're going to play against those you know, great teams, and then we're going to have football, Well, and too. I, yeah, and I've shared this before. Like Towards the end of the Steve Alford era, it was my job, but like on games where I wasn't the one recapping the game, I'd maybe okay. try, I well, no, but like legitimately, especially if it was one of those early season non conference games. I would watch the game, but was I really like, I don't know, giving a crap about the outcome in any real way? Right. Not really. But this, like, I am going to be invested in watching every single one of these basketball games and thinking about one of these early season tournaments. In years past, there would be marquee games that I was just not excited for because it was UCLA under Steve Alford. You know. Right. Watching yep. them get the crap beaten out of them by Kentucky for a couple of years. Watching them, you know, lose to North Carolina. That was not interesting to me. Um, but this, like, win or lose, I'm going to be invested in every second of those games. Um, and that's, I mean, just legitimately as, like, just a general sports thing, that's something to be excited about. And then the other big development that happened the last couple of days was the, if you're a college sports fan and recruiting fan they extended the dead period again to january 1st um college coaches are so flabbergasted frustrated i mean i can't even describe what i've heard from them in the last couple of days uh football and basketball coaches um they're all waiting to just to be able to see some guys in person uh to be able to actually evaluate, recruit, and offer. And that has been put off again until January 1st. Now, for UCLA, I wrote a story today, as you guys should go read if you want details, but for football, it's it will be different because if UCLA plays its hypothetical Pac-12 season, it will be over by January 1st when uh, coaches can go out and – see players at their campuses or have them let's say let's say it's lifted january 1st uh have them on campus for official and unofficial visits california high school starts playing it's postponed until then they'd be able to go see them uh in person in their games which would be unique because it's not during uh college football season college coaches would be able to really concentrate on recruiting, which you'd have to say, you know, you'd hope uh, the UCLA football staff would benefit by having that. I mean, they've got one job in January. If the NCAA lifts its usual dead period, let's say the dead period goes till January 1st. It usually, the conventional one, goes to mid-January. If they lifted January 1st, they would lift that traditional one. Literally January 2nd, It they have one one-minded work here, and that's recruiting. Um, so that should be actually really a lot of fun. Uh, they'll be able to go out, see these kids and we might get a lot of offers. There might be a lot more offerees like in UCLA's 2021 football class, as opposed to 12 right now and 12 that they're not necessarily doing really well with. I mean, this is something else after the season the football the football season to look forward to i think recruiting could i think recruiting could be very it will end up being very exciting and that's just football for basketball also um especially if you're a ucla fan could be very exciting as they pursue Jaden hardy the five-star guard they look for another post um uh, right now they really only have one post that they've offered but if they can get out after January, see kids in their high school games, things could change. So ex- recruiting could get very exciting. 
I would anticipate that they extend the second signing period for football until spring. So it could get very, very fun to watch. Yes. And I think this is all, um, you know, it's it's a uh, it's certainly a different tone to the show than we've had in, I don't know, six months. Well, just from this standpoint, the the most recent offeree football is a quarterback from 2021 class team. And he's a quarterback. His name is Jackson Dart. That's great. That's a great name. That is an amazing name to be a quarterback. And if you go watch tape of him, and I'm going to put more tape of him, we're going to use, if, if he came to UCLA or wherever he goes, people who are writing or talking about him are going to use this easy, easy, easy metaphor with him because he does throw darts. Would you say that UCLA has <clears throat> darted to the top of his list? Uh, I would say no. I'd say they're among a handful of his favorites now. I probably it, it used to be BYU, but ASU. He has a history with ASU. They offered within the last couple of weeks, and then the rumor is that hometown Utah will offer, despite them having a commitment at quarterback. Uh, I I think they're going to offer, but I think UCLA will be there. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see. He he already visited UCLA. That's one of the reasons why UCLA did offer him they had already seen the kid in person on campus and then he started out the season his first four or five games and it's done really well uh but i'd say what will you, what he's among you, the top three for him right now what do you think it'll take to hit the bullseye with him <sighs> i'm not even asking these questions i'm just trying to work in uh, do another one do another one fast come on uh no, I got nothing else. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much my entire knowledge of darts lingo. Anything else would probably be too obscure anyway. Yeah. Um, so, overview. Recruiting should be exciting, too. So, hey, y'all out there who who left bro, and I don't know why I'm addressing you because you're not listening to our podcast, but come on back. Come on back. Come on. The water's, water's, the water's fine. Water's fine. Yeah. That's me with the water. Yeah. Come on back. Um, well, I don't know. You got anything else? No, this was, this was about, I don't want to, I can keep going. There's so much to talk about. No, I I could just gleefully keep saying over and over again, this is so cool. Kind of like the Chris Farley sketch, you know, (laughs) hey, UCLA, UCLA football, you're coming back. Isn't that cool? If you've never seen it, Chris Farley interviewing Paul McCarty. (laughs) Remember that time? (laughs) See, I didn't. You don't have to say anything, and I just laugh at that. That was the. I'm, I like Chris Farley, and I'm not demeaning him. Best thing he ever did was that interview. Oh, it's so was, good. That was amazing. Um. So yeah. Anyway, good news on the UCLA sports front. Uh, we will obviously begin as soon as something is officially announced. Probably before. I mean, if you notice, we already started our our player countdown again. Uh, expecting some news coming out. Um. But I would I would say we could probably I mean not breaking news here we could I think I wrote it anyway We're, we could expect practice to start around the first of October. Yep, and that'll See mean this? previews, yeah. preview content, season previews soon thereafter. Lots of fun stuff uh, coming your way over the next month, month and change. So stay tuned for all that. And Woo-hoo! thanks for hanging with us, everybody out yes. there. It's been a fun and not fun, in, in no way fun, few months, but. We're, we're staring at better times ahead. Yep. So, for Tracy Pearson, I am David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and we will talk to you again next time. And keep staying safe out there, guys.